Good morning, good morning. If you have your Bibles today, and I hope that you do, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to share with you a message today entitled, God's Agenda for the New Year. God's Agenda for the New Year. I want to begin reading in 2 Timothy chapter 1 today in verse 3. Paul, writing to Timothy, says this, I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. And for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Or of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. And grace which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought, to, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he is his young son in the faith. We believe that this is Paul's last letter that he is writing to his son in the faith to give him encouragement. He is a young servant who's going through the valley of discouragement. And he desperately needs his mentor to impart some wise counsel to his situation. And the Lord in that instant uses Paul to speak into young Timothy words of affirmation and principle that endure throughout Timothy's life and his ministry as well as through generations to come even to you and I. The entire book is filled with power phrases that are reminders to Timothy and to us that God is at work to do something in each of our lives and the life of this individual congregation. That God has a purpose, as Gary read this morning from the Scriptures in regards to our communion meditation. 
that God formed us, that God designed us, that He had a plan for us and a purpose for us. Every individual life, when we were in the womb, was intentional. There is no one who is here by mistake. It is God's plan and He has a purpose and He has a direction for your life and for my life and for the life of all of His people. Most often, the work that God has, the plan that He has for us, is, is oftentimes preceded with months, years, even decades of preparation before God carries out the work that He has designed. It is something that, that oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, takes much time to prepare there were people who came before us. And they had a vision. And they had an idea. And they committed to that. And they were faithful to that. And they made sacrifices. And this congregation exists today because there were people who came before us who had a vision, who had a thought, who had a direction, who had a purpose. And they committed to that, and they were faithful to that, and they followed through in regards to that with much passion and commitment to begin this congregation. People who made sacrifices, people who dedicated themselves to the cause and worked tirelessly to see the task accomplished. I remember I was a young person, probably about 10 years of age, and it was in the early 70s, there was a movement for, for people because the, the Disciples Church was at that time taking property that people had worked and sacrificed to pay for and they were making it a part of the denomination. It now became a part of them. It was no longer belonged to the people who had made the sacrifices there. And I remember as a young person, my, my parents and our family, and they're meeting with, with people, small group of people, many, many meetings, many, many hours of prayer and discussion and, and conversation. And the idea was that, that they didn't think that this was the right thing to do, that, that they no longer wanted to be a part of a denomination that would control in that way. And that they wanted to start an a independent New Testament Christian church that was not denominational, but that stood on its own. And there were a lot of prayer meetings, and there were a lot of meetings, and there were a lot of discussions. And this small group of people removed themselves from what was that day, and I remember it, it's still there today, Calfee Memorial. Christian Church, which was a disciples and still is today a part of the disciples denomination. And they established a group of people began to meet together, study together, worship together, pray together. And the day came that they sought a place where they could meet and worship together on an ongoing basis. And they found an abandoned school building that was made available to them. And I, and I say abandoned school building, I'm using that term building pretty loosely. 
And I remember as a young man that this school building, it was, was at the corner, and it wasn't really a corner, but it was the intersection of, of Maple, Maple Acres Road. Had to stop and think about it for a minute. Maple, and Bulltail Holler. That's, that, that road is still there today. Maple Acres Road and Bulltail Holler, this old school building. And they, they were able to, to acquire this building, and they went in and they began to work. Hours and hours of remodel and reworking and refurbishing this old building. Many hours of prayer and dedication. And I remember the day, the inaugural service in that church building. This small group of people stood and, and, and around and, and held hands and spent a great deal of time praying about what would become Maple View Church of Christ. It was in that congregation that I grew up, my spiritual journey, that I learned about the Lord, that I was baptized into Christ. That church still exists today, several hundred in attendance Many Timothys who have gone out from that congregation. Many missions that have been supported over the years since those early 70s. But it began with a small group of people praying, seeking God's guidance, asking for His purpose, confirming and reconfirming that this was what God had planned for them. And He has honored those prayers and He has honored those commitments and those sacrifices and and the dedication that was made there over many, many years. And I'm sure that probably there's a similar story to this congregation. Similar events that unfolded or or moments of sacrifice and dedication. And, And we begin to look at Paul as he writes to Timothy and Timothy is a young servant in the faith and and he's dealing with discouragement and Paul writes and he says, listen, Timothy, you've got to hang in there. God has a purpose. God has a plan. God has something that he desires to do through you and in the congregation that you are serving. And so you have to remain faithful in that effort. You have to remain committed to To what is before you. Listen to the words again, beginning in verse 5. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. And for this reason, because of your faith, he says, for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you. Through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. He says, Timothy, remember your faith. Timothy, remember that which you were taught from your grandmother and your mother and that which you've learned and that which is now within you. Remember the calling that God has placed on your life and on your heart. The mission that He has given you. The direction that He has called you to take. And He said, be mindful of that and not forget. 
For He has given you a spirit not of timidity, not of weakness, not of, of falling uh, prey to, to the pressures and, and to the difficulties and the challenges and the discouragement that you're facing, but He's given you a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of discipline. And He says, I want you to call on that. I want you to commit to that. I want you to be faithful to that. To the future. To what God has called you to. And then He picks up in verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Or of me, His prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the Gospel according to the power of God. Who has saved us. And here it is again. And called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus for all eternity. He says, listen, there is a purpose. There is a mission. There is a calling, a holy calling that He says in regards to that. And He said, do not shrink back from that. Do not let the the discouragement of the world and the difficulties of the times and the challenges that you're facing, he said, don't let that push you back or push you down or keep you from doing what God has called you to do. All of that begins with one thing. It begins with prayer. It begins with a, a prayer of dedication and commitment. And it may take months, and it may take years, it may be even de- it be decades to see the results. But the place to start and any great work that God is going to do or going to accomplish is in prayer. Through God's Word, we see over and over and over again the power of prayer in the work of the Lord. We see again and again people committing and dedicating themselves to praying and seeking God's guidance and God's direction and God working in those situations. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. And that seeking and saving should be our mission. It should be our desire. It should be that which drives us to pray that God would help us and use us and give us a purpose in reaching the lost for His kingdom. God desires that people be saved. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Listen to what it says. It says, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Notice what he said. He doesn't want anyone to perish. In fact, he wants all, not some, not a few, not most, not the majority, not a select group. He wants all to come to repentance. God's desire is that for every person who walks, has walked, is walking, and will walk on the face of this earth to be saved, to repent. To come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as Paul writes to Timothy, he said, it's our mission, it's our calling, it's our purpose that we not be ashamed or we not shrink back or be timid about the witness of the testimony of the salvation that has come through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And he calls us to that same thing. He calls us not to be timid, not to be afraid, 
not to be hesitant, but to to have a spirit of, of love, a spirit of power, a spirit of discipline that is committed to telling people about Jesus Christ and the saving grace that He offers to every person who has, is, and will walk on the face of this earth. That should be our mission. That should be our passion. That should be our calling. Where does it begin? It begins with prayer. It begins with praying to God and asking God to to make you passionate about the lost. It begins by praying and asking God to to give you a, a discipline about sharing His testimony and His Word and His witness with the lost. We must have a fervent desire for people to be saved. We must look around and ask ourselves, what can we do to help those who do not know Christ to come to know Christ? What can I do personally? What can I do individually? What can we do collectively as a congregation? What can we do to help those who do not know Jesus, have not acknowledged Him as Lord and Savior, and received His grace and mercy and forgiveness? What can we do to help in that situation? Lord, we begin to pray. And we begin to ask You to give us direction. To give us a purpose. To give us a mission to give us an understanding of what it is that you've called us to in regards to your desire that none should perish but for all to come to repentance. Second thing that I want us to see today is this, the passionate pursuit of prayer. The passionate pursuit of prayer. We must become compassion we must become passionate about what he is passionate about. We, we must care about what He cares about. We must become committed to what He is committed to. Matthew chapter 28, we find there what we call the Great Commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus was about to leave his disciples and ascend into heaven. To reign there until his return. And the last thing that He says to them, the last message that He gives to them, the the parting words that are of utmost importance, that I will not be with you any longer, and this is what I want you to remember. This is what I want you to understand. This is what I want you to get out of my mission and my life and my ministry and my death and my resurrection and everything that's happened to this point. Make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples. Win people to the Lord so that they can know His grace and love and forgiveness. Do everything that you can to help people to come to know Christ 
as Lord and Savior. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And he says, but you don't have to go alone. I will go with you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Now, we started reading in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want you to drop down and read with me in chapter 2. And listen to what Paul is saying to Timothy that correlates directly to the great commission that Jesus gave his disciples on his day of ascension. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses... These entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Make disciples who can make disciples. Entrust what you have learned to others who can entrust it to others who can entrust it. And the process goes on and on and on. He didn't say make disciples... Or entrust with them the message of the grace of God so that they can come and enjoy the peace and the joy and the forgiveness and the love and all that comes with that. It's not what he said. He said, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to baptize. I want you to teach so that they can observe everything that I have taught you. And then when Paul writes Timothy, he says, listen, the things that God has entrusted to me, I've entrusted to you, and now you're responsible to entrust it to others who will what? Be faithful to entrust it to others. And the process continues. It's not just a let's be saved and have faith and and grace and mercy and then come together with others who have that and enjoy it. He says, no, the process is this. You share it with people who will share it with other people. And then they will share it with other people. And then they will share it with other people. And the process is repeated over and over and over again. Why? Because he is passionate about lost people being saved. He's passionate about people coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's passionate about making disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. And so we have to look and we have to ask ourselves the question, how are we doing that? How are we doing at that? How are we doing at making disciples who will make disciples? How are we doing at teaching people who will be faithful to teach other people? And understand, it's not a program. It's, it's not a package design. Oh, here, go do X, Y, and Z and everything. It's, it's not that at all. It's about knowing Christ and knowing Him intimately to the point that we are passionate about others knowing Him as well. And then instilling in their hearts that they are passionate about knowing Christ and passionate about others knowing Him as well. It's a process that we make more complicated than it has to be. It's a process that we've tried to to design and put in a neat package and and, and be able to to sell it or, or to distribute it. or No, he says, listen, it's just about knowing me. And in knowing me and knowing my heart... You become passionate about what I'm passionate about. You become committed to what I'm committed to. You become faithful to what I've been faithful to. And as you know me and you know my heart and you know my ministry and my mission and my purpose, it becomes your ministry and your mission and your purpose. How do we do that? How does that happen? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, 
I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that, you understand that? So that. There is a purpose that we are not conformed to this world. There is a reason that we allow our minds to be transformed and renewed by the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the power of God so that you may prove. You are the proof. You are the evidence. We are the one who give the world hope because we prove that the will of God, that which is good and acceptable, We're the proof of that. And if we're not proving it, understand no one else is. If we are not the proof that says to the world the will of God, the desire of God, the plan, the mission, the ministry, the work of God is real and it's important and it's valid to bring salvation to lost people so that they spend eternity in the kingdom of heaven and not in the kingdom of hell, If we're not the proof of that, no one else is going to be. We have to be the proof by the renewing of our mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be changed. Be made different. You're the same, but you're different. And he says, in the process of that, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What? A new way of thinking. I think differently than I've ever thought before. Why? Because of the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the presence of God in my life. Because I've become passionate about what He's passionate about. That's what He's asking us to do. That's what He's commanding for us to do. That's what He's instructing us to do. In the midst of that, the mindset of that is created and generated through our prayer life. We become transformed in the renewing of our mind by being in God's Word and communicating with Him on a regular and continual basis. By our prayer life. By seeking Him daily in our prayer life. These are the most urgent of days in human history. Days and times such as we are facing require extraordinary measures. We must, through prayer, reach a level of readiness to abandon our fears, our hesitations, our reluctance, and we must have a brokenheartedness over the lost people that are around us. Family members who are lost. Neighbors who are lost. Friends who are lost. Co-workers who are lost. People who do not know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And we cannot and we must not strike out in in anger and disgust against these people. But we must reach out, not strike out. Reach out with love and compassion. 
with a genuine desire to see their life changed for the glory of God, for them to know Christ as we know Christ. And that heart, and that mind, and that passion begins with prayer, asking God to change who we are to be more like Him. That's God's agenda for this new year. That's His plan. That's His purpose. That's what He's always had planned. That's always been His purpose. And as we start this new year, my prayer is that that would become our plan. That it would become our purpose. That we would begin to pray daily for God to use us for His glory to reach lost people who will reach lost people who will reach lost people for the kingdom of God. This morning